0: The Experts Podcast is powered by Media Stable. Well, welcome to The Experts Podcast. Nick Hayes here.
1: Hi, I'm Carmen Braidwood. Hello,
0: Carmen Braidwood.
1: Hey, Carms.
0: You've resigned from a couple of jobs, have you, or oh, the gosh. great resignation, mm. or is it yours always been a bit of a sack? I've always
1: in? been told to leave. I'm pretty <laughs> like sure. No, I've resigned. I've moved on from jobs in the past. Yeah, absolutely. There was
0: a big movement back in the day. I think it was probably about six, 12 months ago that mm. they were talking about the great resignation, people mm. leaving their jobs and saying, hey, I've had enough.
1: And is that mainly because COVID taught us that there's more to life than just working for the man and being a slave to a desk all day?
0: I think it was, but I actually think it's a bit of a myth. I'm not sure that everyone's just hanging up their boots and saying, you know what, let's move on and uh, let's and have find a tree change,
1: let's tow the caravan around the country instead of going to work. Correct.
0: You know, not like you'll see changes <laughs> where you get up and uh, get into the sun all the time. It's uh, you know, these are people that are saying, nah, that's it. I've had enough. Okay. I, I thought we we better talk to an expert about this. Let's
1: find out about uh, it. An executive, really
0: an executive search expert. Her name's Laura Grierson. and she is a director at Acacia Executive Search. Welcome, Laura.
2: Oh, thank you. Thanks, Nick. Carmen. It's uh, is it is the
0: Great Resignation really happening? Is it is this just a myth, or uh, are people really finding it this time? This is the time to actually call it quits.
2: I don't think there's a Great Resignation, but there's a lot of movement in the market. So a really interesting thing happens when there's more jobs than there are people risk appetite goes up because I know I can get another job so when when it's a tight market everyone stays in their jobs when there's lots of opportunity they start looking around so there is a lot of movement at the moment I don't think there's a great resignation but I think there's a lot of opportunities for people to be looking at that they weren't looking at before.
1: Now, when it's this kind of hot market then for the employee, do you find you get messages from people saying, hey, can you have a down low little look for me? Or do you have to actually rattle their cage first? So the
2: way that it works for us is a company comes to us and says, I need this person. I know it's going to be really hard to find. Mm -hmm. I know they're going to be in another job. So you're going to have to be out there approaching them. So now it's really about the pitch more than ever. It's about... Why would someone leave their current job and come and take a job with you? It's,
0: that's, you know, why would they? I well, mean, exactly.
1: That's a million-dollar question. Is it million dollars? Is it the money?
0: Well, it'd be nice or if it was a million it, bucks.
1: Yeah, what's driving people these days? Are they going for money or are they going for lifestyle? It's lifestyle. It's not even lifestyle. It's meaning. It's
2: purpose. Ooh. That's the conversation now.
1: That's deeper, isn't it? Mm.
2: How,
0: how does a company go and sell meaning and purpose? Because that's there. It's up in the air. It's all nice and lights. It sounds all fluffy. Is it? Is are they doing this?
2: They are, and it's more. I mean, media stable would have a purpose. You're That's here to do more than just make money.
0: Well, yes, yeah, well, just some money would be nice. Right?
2: <laughs>
1: some
0: money would be nice. I but don't know. Yeah,
1: I got a little you can concern make money just along then, the way, stuff, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> it's like purpose is airy fairy; it's not a real thing. Well,
0: no, it, but it, it is. It's selling that. Mm. I mean, you know, you've got to get yourself into the business to do that. Now you got me on the hop here. <laughs> um, but it is, you know, purpose is a, a word that just gets thrown around. It does left, right, center. What is the real meaning behind it?
2: Purpose is what you're trying to achieve. So it could be something lofty it could be something quite airy-fairy to some people and it could be quite meaningful and tangible for others but it's doing something more that you're going to work every day to do something more than just work Mm. and is it provide a great customer service is it change an industry is it you know you can have the you know end poverty the really lofty ones but it's something more than just hey do this and I'll give you a paycheck at the
1: end of the day. And you've hit on something there. It's different for each individual, Mm. isn't it? So Mm. you've got to figure that out. I mean, other businesses right now who are struggling to get staff, and we've got a business owners, a lot of them listen to this Mm. this podcast. Yeah. They need to then, what you're saying is understand what their future staff want from them in terms of meaning.
2: Yeah. Well, they've got to be really clear on what do I offer beyond a paycheck? What does working here mean for someone? You know, what do I stand for? And then talk about that. You've got to shift the conversation from what you have, what qualifications you have and what you'll get. That's a really old binary way of looking at work. The conversation now is what will they do? What will they become? What will they impact? That's what people care about now.
0: So uh, are employers right now, are they are they concerned that they're just not going to have enough to hold on to their good talent, mm. to hold on to their good employees because the competition is so is so tough? Because, mm. you know, we, we looked at the national unemployment figures. They've dropped down to 3.5, under 4%. And when you think about that over your time, I don't think I've ever seen the employment figure. I think this is the first time in 50 years it's been this low.
2: It is. I mean, you would be, and it, it depends what industry you're into. So if you're in hospitality, if yeah. you're in health, if you're in those – roles where there's a higher quantity and it's a lower level so more entry-level work is really challenging because it's also harder to discern at that point because they don't quite know what they want in work either they're still working it out too so it does become a bit more about I need enough money to live you know in that end of the spectrum in the work that we do up at the executive space there is always enough people but it's just you're moving them around. So it's kind of this cyclical, bit of bit of chess, yeah. bit of chess
0: going on. <laughs> yeah. bit, bit of, bit of uh, what checkers, you mm. know, moving the pieces around. But are they, uh, in your particular space, the executive mm. level, are they, are they concerned? Because this is a tough market to be playing around with and, and you don't want to mess it up.
2: I mean, in, in terms of their careers, it's a great time for them because there's a lot happening in the market and there's a lot of opportunities. So mm. they are moving more than ever and they have the opportunity to be more discerning because they know they have the power as the job seeker. So sure. that's the thing about the market at the moment. If you're looking for a job, you have the upper hand and you can take time to really find something that does work for you. So from yeah. your
0: space... Is this a good time for business or not? Because as a as someone seeking for, for companies, mm. the right people, is this good business or is it a Oh, a I love one? a talent short
2: market. It's yeah. my favourite market. I mean, it's the yeah. only market we can exist in because that's what our business is predicated on, that True. people need our help to find people. Um, and the busier a market is the more opportunity you can find for someone that fits because they're open to to taking more time and to looking at the right role for them versus taking whatever they can find because they're worried about their next job.
0: Do you, do you look at the real estate industry in the same sort of position where there's a tightening of the yeah. of, of properties <laughs> yeah. that are available? Because human beings mm. are very much like property, aren't they? I mean mean, the a commodity,
1: aren't we? A commodity.
0: It, that's yeah. it's what we're living in.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think um, the market has changed a bit in the last few weeks, so we do have to think about that. You know, we've got inflation, we've got the ASX has been coming down, so there is certainly a bit of trepidation at the moment about what that will look like. Um but it's definitely a really interesting time with a lot of change.
1: Yeah, definitely. And so speaking of that change and getting back to that great resignation question, Mm. you've you've pretty much said, no, look, I don't think it's happening. People are shifting, but they're not resigning altogether. Where do you think the great resignation came from as a concept?
2: Yeah, I think that, like you said, Previous to COVID, there were definitely people who were conscious of work-life balance, of, of meaning, of looking for more in work than a paycheck. I think it accelerated that process. So we had a kind of a huge kind of cataclysmic event that everyone re- looked back on their life and what they were doing each day. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in places like the US um, and the UK with much bigger workforces who had a real shift in work where they kind of all went home. Perth, we've been pretty sheltered. Sure. So for us here... We haven't experienced that big change. We had a month at home on and off, you know, since then. So I think in Australia, maybe Melbourne could even be a bit different itself. It really does depend where you're looking at and the people. Um, But I think mainly it was that people are going to realise, I don't just want to work nine to five in an office every day for something I don't believe in.
0: Now, Laura, you've got a – you've got a really good media profile, uh, Acacia as a group, but also yourself. Um, you've been seen in the print, you've been heard on radio, on, on, on TV, I think, yes, also. Which is the media that has got Acacia and yourself particularly? What, what, what media do you like to work with?
2: I love writing. Right, I'm a quite a control freak. <laughs> so, so this fast and loose podcast, uh, yeah, how's that going for you? Podcast style's challenging me. But You're doing very
0: well, just quietly. <laughs>
2: I like research. I like writing on something that's topical. I like knowing exactly what will be in print. So that's my comfort zone at the moment. It wasn't the first time I wrote it. I was terrified the night before the first op-ed I had went out and I was thinking I was going to have all these people reading it and fact-checking it or coming to me with um, responses and it was really positive. So, I mean, the more you do, the more comfortable you get. This, talking to journalists, is definitely out of my comfort zone. Um, and then, kind of like, TV and is just so much further out of my comfort zone. Well, here
0: we got a confidence on camera coach <laughs> mm. here, right, and Carmen Braidwood. Why, why is it that the, the TV scares you?
2: Mm. I think it's thinking on the spot, and I, it's a skill you need to learn, mm. right, like anything else. You know, you have filler words that you use. There's just the fear factor of not having done it before. I mean, at Acacia, we're huge believers in nothing grows in your comfort zone, so I have no intention of just staying in my safe place. Place of writing, but it's kind of I'm just staging my way at the moment until it becomes more comfortable. Would you say it's a
1: connection to perfection? You mm, want to know what you say? Absolutely, is going to be bang on right. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but we don't have to be perfect in all of this, do we? And no. I, I love the fact that you were concerned about your first op-ed, mm. that you thought, "Oh my god, people are going to fact-check or thing." My greatest fear is that they wouldn't fact-check or that didn't make a difference. Yeah, because that to me would be saying that what I've written or what I've done isn't relevant.
2: Yeah, good point to
0: people. So I, I think you. It it is a scare and it's a fear that many have, don't they, Cums? Yeah. You've got to get past because I'd rather get more comfortable with the fear than comfortable with the status quo.
1: Absolutely. And what you've hit upon there, and you've been really brave to be so vulnerable and share, oh, TV still scares me, radio still scares me, is is something that is so universally experienced by a lot of other experts in the media. And the one thing that us in the media really want from experts is to, to feel the fear... do it anyway Mm. and to surrender a little bit to the fact that your lack of perfection is actually what will endear you most Mm. to our audience. I
2: know you want to be human, right? You want to do business with humans. You want to know the person. So being relatable is great. It's just scary.
0: It is a little, and and believe me, I'm really good at the imperfection. I, I've been. Imperfe- <laughs> Next mastered it. I have mastered imperfection to the greatest the comfort level. Comfort of
2: imperfection. Oh, I love
0: it. In fact, if I do, if I'm not imperfect, people will say that is not Nick. Um, one thing I do love about what you do, Laura, and particularly for any of the radio interviews that you've done, is how you amplify it afterwards. And I think I've mentioned it to you a couple of mm. times because I almost want to. I need to get the number of the person that actually <laughs> does the back end work of presenting your work, Uh, Mm. a radio interview with good images and also to uh, presenting it on the different social media platforms. It's so critical for experts Mm. to do this. And you've got a little secret sort of uh, arsenal in in the back room there at Acacia, haven't you? Your husband.
2: I do. Your husband
0: (laughs) does all that work. Tell us a little bit how he does that.
2: Oh, so they're, I mean, they're audiograms essentially, but he's a sound engineer and a TV presenter and a voiceover artist (laughs) and a videographer. (laughs) It all helps. (laughs) See, I mean,
0: everyone that's listening to this right now is just going, oh, why isn't my partner a videographer, a sound engineer? Mm. But you do it perfectly. I I love the way that you present it because it just, even just the media engagement itself is almost secondary to the way that you amplify it.
2: Yeah, and I think, I mean, my husband is incredible. But before he even came along, we were really conscious of, you know, our profile on LinkedIn, which is our space, and yeah. making sure that we put things out that weren't about us as well. You know, who is our target audience? What do they want to hear? Um, how do we let them see a bit more about us? You know, one of our values is human and being mm. humans, not being corporate kind of machines. Sure. Um, so being really conscious of how do I put this in a short punchy, visually appealing form that someone's going to look at and engage with. They're not going to go read a long blog post anymore. They're not going to listen to the whole podcast interview potentially either. So where's a really great line. They're 13
0: (laughs) minutes into this one, Laura. They're going to keep going, I dare say.
1: No, that's exactly right. So making audience-centric content, (laughs) right, Mm -hmm. is coming to your audience and where they are, which sounds like what you guys have absolutely mastered. My audience is busy and very often people think, oh, if I make it all about me, my audience audience won't want to hear that either they actually do but you just need to f- put it into a way that makes the audience understand why it's relevant to mm, them right still adds value yeah. yeah yeah so important so um very handy having the production team there mm-hmm. at home <laughs> ready to go How, what kind of kit do you guys use what do you make sure you take with you when you get a media engagement
2: pretty much just our brains at the moment i am I, um, so for us i mean we've got a piece in coming out in the west this week um, so at the moment, it's just us understanding what they really want to talk about. Doing mm-hmm. that prep prior. I mean, I like you said, I'm a perfectionist too much. So, so for me, it's really focusing on the prep, um, and then being being there when they when they need us. The turnaround as well. Yeah. The How much time do we have
1: to get a not an op-ed together?
2: <laughs> I think I've learned through working with Bev and M that the faster I can do it the better it's going to be on on their end. So if something topical comes up, if I can write a piece that night, I'm much more likely Mm. to get swept up and it get printed. So the speed of response has been a thing that I've had to learn that I kind of have to make time when it's it's happening.
0: And does it deliver though? I mean, at the end of the day, you mentioned that the very first article you put out, you were more worried about people being negative towards it. What kind of responses are you getting from the op-eds that you are doing in the West?
2: Incredible. I get... um, each time I print, I think I'd probably get about 20 people um, on LinkedIn message me that I've wow. never never spoken to before that say they've read it and they have commentary around it. The recent one I did on females they need to negotiate more and the pay gap, I had men uh, message me saying that they'd had that happen to their daughter recently when she'd oh gone right. for a job. I had mm-hmm. a analyst at a firm um email me saying he'd done some reporting on it before and sent me a report Hmm. and then I just have people contact me, board members and executives, that um, when they're looking for a job they say I've seen you in the paper, and I want
1: um, I want to talk to you about it. How's that that for a turn on investment? Mm. It it,
0: it is, and I think you know the way that you've gone about it too, Laura. Is the fact that you know you wanted to know what your audience wanted to hear. It didn't go about saying look at me, look at me. Mm. It was more about what can I do to help or to educate. And when you get that, that's the kind of reaction that you've got real audience now. Mm. You've got real networks that understand who you are and what you stand for. And that's what we are. That's all we're trying to do in this in this game is actually build our networks and get people to understand what we do stand
1: for Mm. and importantly they build trust right so that it's value yes it's education but it's actually just fleshing out the human being Mm. behind all of that value and education that at the end of the day your competitor could could do just as well Mm. so there's something about the way you deliver that that is unique and I suspect it's actually when you pump out those op-eds overnight Mm. That's the key, right? So before you let your little attachment to perfection come in and ruin it all, <laughs> you're actually just letting, that, letting it flow, letting yeah. that initial thought come to you. And that's what works really well with this kind of content too, just being natural. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I, I think sometimes we, over, we overthink it. And we try to over-polish everything, and that is, and to our point earlier in the in the podcast, is that the more human we are, that the greater connection that we're going to make. And I think we've just got to let loose. And I think the great thing, and to to M and to to uh, to Bev's point around quick and speed. I mean, media itself is a machine that it needs its content quickly, and you've got to be topical. You've got to be right at the right time because you can miss the boat Mm. by minutes, can't you, cams? Because like you know, a story just keeps moving on to it. Twenty-four hour news cycle. They're not holding. They're not holding the bus for anyone. No. They want. They want you on that bus. They want you
1: now. Yeah, and you do have to kind of go with that flow. I feel the same way now that I'm making content for my business too. Is that if I don't seize the moment, it's gone. Mm. Right. So something could come up on the news, and I go, oh, I can do a little thing about that about confidence on camera. I, no point writing it for thirty seconds in my phone notes. Yep. and going, I'll go to that on my shooting day, you're far better off to go, who cares where I am, let's stick a camera in my mm. face and just get it done. Do you ever do anything like that? I don't do camera in my face yet, I've got to say, but I, I
2: think... You've got it, a
0: husband that's got uh, a camera no. right there.
2: Oh, I, we did do a video recently, sorry, but um, <laughs> yes? and that was ad was He was there and we thought, let's just try and film something and we did zero prep. And... Um, I think he had to edit a fair bit, but it did come out quite well. (laughs) That's editing is your best friend. Yes, Um, I think it's, I guess what you're saying is progress over perfection, right? And just executing and actioning. So not spending too long thinking about it. So yeah, the last piece I wrote was, I think it took me half an hour. Um, got it over to, to Bev and then it got Good printed work. a f- few days later. And
1: that's great insight, right? Half an hour's writing. How mm. many words are we talking about here to the wordsmiths? Exactly. Yeah. 400 words, right? That's not even anywhere near in a whole essay that you're going to do it's at uni by hand. Yeah. Yeah. It's a page. And, I, and it's a yeah. great message
0: for everyone that has considered this is that it's not the big, huge time mm-hmm. investment that you think it is. It might be the very first time, mm. you know, because we yeah. sit there, we worry, we're concerned. Oh, but I then, did that
1: when I wrote one. Uh, oh, obsessed oh. over it. <laughs> you. Obsessed. Just over it. You learn know? the format, don't you?
2: Yeah. You learn, you, and you're not trying. I think what I did as well as I thought I was being the fl- like being the journalist, which I'm not. I'm giving an opinion. Mm. So Correct. I'm I'm referring to something that's come out that's topical. I'm using their data, and then all I'm doing is talking.
0: Correct, and and giving the meat on the bones mm. to, to something that is going on there. And the other key thing is that you've got support there with a good editor. And mm. if you've got it, and I, I can't tell people enough, this is, oh, look, I, I can tell you most of the pieces I've ever written, they're not even my words, they're my editor's words because it's been <laughs> sub-edited so much. Yeah. But get yourself a good editor out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be someone in PR, it could be someone in communications, but someone you trust to go over your work And get that reassurance Mm. that you are – what you're delivering is spot on because, you know – You might think it's the greatest piece you've ever written, but it might absolutely have zero newsworthiness at all or or opinion position at all. Get someone that you trust.
1: Has that ever happened for you when you've thought this is the angle and then the editor's gone, no, this is the angle over here at the end of what you wrote? Yeah.
2: I mean, mean, the the calls are so great with either of the women. They've been incredible. So we talk through what's happening in the industry and, and I'll definitely have ideas, which I think are super fantastic. But... Does that appeal to the general wider population? I think is the thing I've learned the most as well. So, I can't just be talking about something that only affects a subset of two or one percent of people because mm. it's not broadly appealing. So, what do I know about that can apply to more people? Is what I've learned to really think about. Be broad, yeah. Be broad and and think about. It can still be my subject matter expertise, but it will have an implication that's wider than just
1: what I do every day. Yeah. I think the great resignation is a very good example. Mm. We want to talk to a recruiter about this very broad topic that affects a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Now, you've got an off that you work closely with, Abby. Um, is, she more a, is she a writer? Is she more TV, radio? She's
2: a TV. She's a, so we're huge believers in psychometric profiling. We know each other back-to-back anyway. We've worked <laughs> together for years and years. But um, I can say I'm analytical thinking process driven writing she is big ideas lofty extroverted so she is fantastic with people um Mm -hmm. and she does her best thinking out loud versus writing it down um so her skill is definitely radio tv and it's great to have that balance and it's great to know what you're good
1: at too yeah, now, absolutely.
0: Now the the Kalgoorlie has a, a big mining festival, mm. big mining um,
1: diggers uh, and dealers, diggers and dealers festival. <laughs> I well, expo. well it,
0: it depends which way so, where you're coming from. Yeah, some quite, of them yeah. treat it like it's a festival. It's some true. Of it, some of them <laughs> treat it like it's a it's a thing.
1: the pubs what, feel like a festival during <laughs> diggers and dealers.
0: Well, it's yeah. about the time. It's it's about the only thing that gets Kalgoorlie moving, other than the Kalgoorlie Cup. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do recall a, a massive op-ed piece. Well, actually, a piece in in the West because. Mm. When you think of mining, you, you traditionally think of the sort of the white haired men, um, old and you know, scaly type sort of thing. Sorry to all the mining executives out there that are <laughs> listening to this, but um, it's not normally a place there for women. But you um, featured in a massive piece that I think got a fair bit of attention.
2: It did. I mean, I think every nearly every person I saw at Diggers mentioned it. So, yeah, it was the front page of the business section the week before Diggers about how we were having our annual uh, function there. We always had kind of the first function at Diggers and Abby and I have been going since we were in our early 20s so Mm -hmm. we were trying to promote that um, networking is really important for women and it's I think it is still a reason why there is a diversity gap and a pay gap it's kind of seen as a masculine thing conferences Mm. are seen as you know the boys going out to Kalgoorlie um, and it's actually really beneficial so we were trying to promote that it's really important for people to still be going to those things. This year we've actually changed again and – We are having our diggers function in Perth on the Friday before we go to Kalgoorlie. Oh,
1: yeah? What was the thinking there?
2: We haven't been able to get the female representation that we've wanted at our function Uh, in Kalgoorlie because people still aren't going there. So we thought it would be great to create an inclusive platform in Perth where we could have true 50-50 representation. Very smart. And hopefully try and show women and people that networking is really important and that it's not a scary male thing it's a really beneficial business thing that everyone needs to be doing. So
1: that difficulty to bring women to Kalgoorlie Mm. for that event what do you think that says about the state of the mining industry right now?
2: It definitely says that it's got a big PR problem Mm. and I think it I mean, it's, there's obviously things that are happening in the industry that aren't great and we've seen in some of the reports that have come out that that is happening. From my personal experience in mining, I've been in it my entire career since I was in my early 20s mm-hmm. and I have had a fantastic career. Um, so I think it is, there is also a, really, a real PR problem that we need to fix. Yeah. Are they
0: improving though? Because the amount of reports and news stories that mm. you hear now, the big miners, mm. the, the, they are clamping down yeah. on behaviour, they're yeah. clamping down on even, I suppose, the sort of the, the glass ceilings of executives within the, the industry and looking to diversify mm-hmm. – is it heading in the right direction?
2: Absolutely. I mean, our board representation is currently at 30%, just mm. over 30%. 10 years ago it was 8%. Yeah. Yeah, great. Okay. So the board, I mean, we're leading the way with board because it is it is kind of where you start and then you hope it trickles down. Our executive representation still isn't as high as it needs to be and and that's an issue with pipeline of talent as well. We don't have a lot of women who have run businesses before, which is typically where you employ a CEO from, yeah. someone who's had that background. In terms of what happens out on site, I mean, I'm not out there and I can't comment too much out there, but I think the increase in disclosure and transparency of the reporting shows that it's now a really important issue for the industry that they're really paying attention to.
1: Yeah, great. That's a good sign.
0: The companies that you're working with, um, do any of them just come out and say, I need to fill this position with a female?
1: Absolutely. They say yep. I
2: need diversity on my board. And yep. I mean, diversity is more than gender. It's age, it's race, it's all kinds of things. I think the most pressing So, we're issue not talking
0: quotas. We're not talking… Things. No. They just want what they are looking to do is come out and say, I need… A female on the board. Yeah, I
2: think the great thing about the conversation is we're no longer justifying or arguing whether diversity is important. Yeah. So we've now mm. moved past that. So great. before it was, is it really worth it? Does it matter? There's so much research and now the benefits of it speak for themselves. Sure. So that's a huge step in itself. Yep. Um, and yeah, now we, I mean, Australia has adopted a voluntary approach, so it's completely business-led. If you look at most countries in the EU, it's legislative, so they do have quotas um but i but britain also has the same model that we do and i think it is it is working and we we're, we're moving in the right direction although it is a bit slower than i think people would hope now
1: you're right uh, diversity is many things not just gender but Just talking about women, because it's a good topic to go on, particularly with the mining industry, what Mm. kinds of women from what professions are we looking for to bring to the mining industry, particularly for us here in WA? Very pertinent conversation.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the great... So, ESG's huge at the moment. It's everyone's...
0: Describe ESG, (laughs) because I have this conversation all of the time, and everyone goes, ESG, and and I go for yeah. for, for E G yeah. or uh, Joe
2: Blogs really doesn't know what it is. At <laughs> Talk the end to me of the
0: about day. ESG. Yeah,
2: so I guess it's your environmental, your social, your governance things. It's a super broad. It's everything from modern slavery to diversity to climate change. Yeah. it's a huge topic.
1: Oh. One so, women who've worked in that will be pretty favourable. So that's
2: what, what the great thing is that that is now a growing subject matter, which is often comes from more arts backgrounds, so there's Mm. more women involved. So we're kind of moving a bit away. So STEM is all, you know, sciences, Mm. maths, engineering. That's where we've had a shortage of women going into that profession. And that's where typically in the past, mining had always recruited their execs from. You have to be a mining engineer. You have to be a geologist. Mm. Now we're looking at broader skill sets. So finance, legal, and then women from that more social, environmental background. So they're, they're bigger pipelines and pools of women that we can pull from. So as the industry shifts and we move towards these future medals, there should be more opportunities for women. Yeah, great.
0: Are we finding people coming uh, – we're, we're Western Australians, so are we finding – are you finding executives from the East Coast that are prepared to come over to, to the oh West? Oh, no. No, why no, is no. that? Why, because why
1: because Mark McGowan – It's McGowan, Mark's fault. <laughs> yeah, well, he locked
0: up the borders. He yep. locked us up for two years, and he thought that he was doing us a favour by making us the most safest place going around.
2: Yeah, but now, we're on the nose, aren't but are we? Are we
0: on the nose? We're
2: on the nose a bit. We had an exodus. Uh, during COVID, remember West Farmers CEO sure. left a few other big CEOs uh, that moved was a bit of over a PR to the east stunt coast.
0: Day.
2: I mean, I I so there was a huge amount of change when COVID happened in terms of relocation. So anyone that was younger that was on the east coast who'd gone there to pursue their career and was now single, stuck in an apartment on their own, they came back home. So we had a lot yeah. of people come back from over east that were from here, um, and we had a lot of people return from overseas. So anyone, lots of people went home. Yeah. And I haven't seen that movement back yet. So, I think everyone's still a bit nervous. Mm. They've just had that move. They've just had that career change. And it, they're not kind of knocking on the door at the moment to, to come back.
1: Yeah. Is the barrier also lack of housing? We've got nowhere Absolutely. to buy a house.
2: Absolutely. So, I, I've had some people we're, – we're recruiting at the moment for ourselves. And I've had some people on the East Coast saying they want to come. I don't know if they could get a rental.
0: I love it. A recruitment, well, you know, a, know. an executive search looking for people. Mm. Yeah. How tough is it for for you to find people when you're finding it for your own business?
2: Yeah, it's much harder finding <laughs> it for yourself than for other companies. <laughs> um, you have to do all that work first that we just spoke about. What you know, what do we stand for? What type of employer are we? What are we offering people? Why would you leave your job to come and work for me? What mm. kind of leader am I? Well,
0: they're listening to this podcast now. I'm I uh, no. convinced <laughs> to come and work for. <laughs>
2: um it's hard i mean we we work in recruitment but we don't like the way t- traditional recruitment is done so we don't ever hire people that have recruitment experience which puts a whole uh. another layer of challenge on what we do so they're normally a lot younger um and so we're training them up so we have to really focus on what their motivators are and and a younger workforce have a really different and i thought I was young but Mm. I am I'm getting to not being the young workforce anymore so you know young people care about work-life balance and mental health and social equality and diversity and and those type of things it's really important
0: some of us gen x people you know, value that as well. Uh, you know, it's not just the young people's uh, domain. Hey, Laura, we're, we're running out of time. It's, oh, that uh, did go it's quick. Being been great to mm. chat with you. Um, I, I love the fact that what you just said there, that you hire recruiters that don't have any recruiting experience. Mm. How many jobs do you think that you do that with that say, look, we, we're hiring a mining executive, but we don't want you to have any mining experience? I mean, that's a really different view to look at things, isn't mm. it?
2: It is. And I mean, I think... And it's, it has a huge amount of challenge to it. but I think if you want to change the way something's done, you you can't kind of rely on people who've always done it the way it was done before. Oh,
1: I love that. That is
0: a ripper. that's Stick the line. It in a quote <laughs> That's the line.
1: Make <laughs> an Instagram post out of that.
0: Laura Grierson uh, from Acacia <laughs> Executive Search, thank you for joining us. If people want to get in touch with you if someone's looking for mm. a top-end job, how do they do that?
2: Jump onto our website so it's acacia intl com. Uh, otherwise look me up on LinkedIn. And check out the amazing content as well. Amazing
0: content. Check out uh, Laura on um, LinkedIn because the content Mm. is gold and uh, her husband, Jesse, does an amazing job presenting that. And I know that everyone listening doesn't have a Jesse sitting in their corner, but (laughs) you might want to find one because uh, that's the way to do it. Another good one, Calms? Loved it. Wonderful job. Well, thank you for joining us and thank you, Laura, again. And uh, we look forward to having your company when we talk to another media or another expert. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Experts Podcast, powered by Media Stable. If you'd like to get in contact with the team, head to mediastable.com.au.